Amen. Question today, what does it really mean to love another person? What does it really mean to love others? We were commanded to do that. That's kind of like, you know, bottom shelf stuff. Everybody knows that about Christians. Love one another. We're commanded to do that. What does that mean to love one another? It's a topic we cover very early on in our premarital counseling. And as you can imagine, there's no shortage of understandings of what bad ideas there are about how to love one another. Loving one another doesn't mean making each other feel good. Loving one another doesn't mean uh, they make more money than I do so that we can live together in, in a better financial situation. Loving one another doesn't necessarily mean they make me feel better about myself. It's not, a, it's not an emotion. It is an emotion that is put into action. God is the one who calls us to love one another, but the problem is sometimes we don't feel like loving others, do we? And there's a word closely related to love, and it's the word honor. In order to love someone, we need to show them some degree of honor. And that's not always easy, but where it becomes especially difficult is when we have relationships of authority. And we're still called to love one another, and honoring their authority is a big part of that. So what does it really mean to love one another? Especially loving those in authority over us, It's my hope and my prayer that the Holy Spirit will teach us all about that today. So if you're not in Exodus 20, please head over there. If you're joining us this week again as our guest, thank you so much for coming. We are so glad that you are here today. Um, We preach what's called expositionally here. And so I, I open the text and hopefully expose the meaning of the text, and then we do the hard work of applying that in our lives, the opposite philosophy is eisegesis, where I have these thoughts in my head of 10 ways to have a happier Monday, and then I go looking all over the Bible to find verses that support how to do that. We believe God's word is perfect. We believe God's word is, here's that word again, authoritative over us. And so when we come to God's word, we expose the meaning and we hope to apply it. Hopefully the main point of my sermon will be the main point of any passage that we're in. So last week, As we have been, we've been going through the Ten Commandments. We went through the Fourth Commandment last week, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, still in effect today. Why? Because we see it in every single phase of biblical history. It's in creation. It's in the Old Covenant. It's with Jesus in the New Covenant. And of course, we see the eternal Sabbath that we will have one day in heaven. And this week, we remember that this is the day that Jesus transformed as the Lord's Day. The day we set aside for worship and for rest. We plan for it, we, we prepare for it, and we protect it. This week, we transition to the second table. Now, if you're a Bible nerd, right, you probably, God didn't divide the commandments up one through four on one table and then, you know, five through ten on the other part of the table, the two stone tablets. Probably they were just two copies of all of the Ten Commandments. One of them went in the ark, and then another one went, I don't know, maybe it went in in Moses' personal collection somewhere. But when we talk about the Ten Commandments, we talk about dividing them up into two tables. The first table, Commandments 1 through 4, deal with telling us how to love God. And Commandments 5 through 10, the second table, tell us how to love others. And so we're making the turn this week. We're done with the the first part of the table of the commandments that tells us how to love God. And now we're dealing with the commandments that tell us how to love others. Remember that Jesus summarized the moral law how? 
the first commandment, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So indeed, right there, we see the reflection of exactly what that's talking about. Jesus summarizes both tables of the moral law. Another reason why it's still in effect today. It shows us how to love God and how to love others. And so this week, again, we shift our focus to knowing how to love others. And where do we start? We start with those closest to us, our own family, our parents. But as we shall see, hopefully, obedience to the fifth commandment goes far beyond moms and dads. And now that we've set the foundation, let's look again. Exodus 20, in verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. My plan has been to help get our arms around each commandment of the moral law is organizing it in two big buckets. The first one is explanation. What is commanded here and what is forbidden here? And then the second big bucket is application. Okay, how do we obey this and how do we violate this? And so as we read the fifth commandment, we notice again it's a positive command. It's not one of those thou shalt not commands. It's one of those thou shalt commands if you're rolling King James with us this morning. In immediate context, we grab our first point. It's pretty simple to pick up. What are we commanded to do? Point one, we are commanded to show honor to our parents. We are commanded to show honor to our commandments. Pretty straight up, right? It's the word honor. So what does that mean? How do we show it? The word here in in Hebrew, kavod, means a, a weightiness, a heaviness. It means a significance. In a noun, it's often used to refer to God's glory. The weightiness, the significance of the glory of God should outweigh anything else in the universe and all of his creation, but also then in our own little microcosm of relationships, depending on our stage in life, our parents should have the highest place of honor among those relationships. First, let's break it way down. Why? Why would we show our parents honor? Well, first, I know it's hopefully self-explanatory, but we wouldn't exist if it were not for our parents. Our parents did not come together in marital union. I don't want to gross anyone out on the Lord's Day, kids, if you're thinking about that. But we would not exist if it were not for our parents. We are literally and physically products of our parents. Second, after we were born, they quite literally kept us alive. We entered this world 100% dependent on our parents to keep us alive, to feed us, to clothe us, to give us shelter. That's a tough job, right? Parents know. Any tiny human that depends on you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year to stay alive, right? That's a lot of pressure. You feel that. Our parents sustained us. They kept us alive. That's another reason why we would show our parents honor. But maybe a third reason, our parents lavished us with love and affection. They not only created us, they not only kept us alive, but they loved us. Hopefully they brought us up to know God and love his law, to know right from wrong. They cared for us during every stage of life, from the newborn feedings at 2 a.m. to the terrible twos and the three-nagers, to the nonstop hundreds of questions of the toddlers, to the scraped knees, the countless spills and messes that we made. They persevered through our disobedience, our disrespect, even the teen angst years. 
They watched anxiously as we made critical life decisions like what do we do for a living and where do we live and who are we going to marry? Why do we honor our parents straight up? They deserve it. They deserve it. They, they, they created us. They sustained us. And they lavished love and affection on us. Notice something with me. God does not tell us in this passage, honor your parents if they were good parents. He doesn't put a, a little condition on that. He says, honor your parents, period. He says, remember to honor your parents. Some of us have had good and godly parents. Some of us did not. Some of us may have had really bad parents who were out more for themselves than out for our good. Some of us maybe lost our parents early through death or divorce or rejection. Imagine having a parent who rejected you, who abused you, who neglected you. And now you read this verse and it says, honor your parents. And you say, that's really hard for me to do that. And so we've got to acknowledge that. We've got to acknowledge that not everybody has good parents. But yet it is the command of God here. And he doesn't put any conditions on it. To acknowledge the commandment is difficult if we're in one of those situations, but it is still in effect, and God is still with us, and God will empower us to do that, and I hope we'll learn more about that as we go. Well, honor our parents, it's a picture. It's important because honoring our parents is a picture of how we honor really anyone. And think about it. If you don't honor your parents, are you able, are you capable? What does that say about honoring other relationships that you have? What does that say about honoring other authority in your life? And so, once again, God lays this down as a pattern and a principle for us in learning how to honor others, especially those in authority. And so what are we commanded to do? We're commanded to show honor to our parents. What is forbidden in this? In simple terms, right? We're forbidden from not honoring our parents if you have parents today, and if you're not showing them honor, you're in sin. You're breaking this commandment. And I know that is hard for some of us to hear, but hang in there with me. We will talk about how to honor your parents very soon, and it does look differently depending on your situation. God takes honoring your parents, though, very, very seriously. In the Old Covenant, the civil law, cursing your parents was subject to death. Leviticus 20, verse 9 says, Anyone who curses his mother and father shall surely be put to death. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, we have a picture of, of society and the civil law in effect. Deuteronomy 21, starting in verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, him he will not listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him, bring him to the elders of the city at the gate where the place, of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of the city, this is our son, and he is stubborn and rebellious, and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all of Israel shall hear and fear." Yes, God takes obedience to our parents very, very seriously. And if you're like me, you are immediately thankful that we are not under the old covenant civil law in the way that Israel was. Because I don't know about you, but I would have been dead by the time I was four. <laughs> Think of how many times we have disrespected our parents. How many times in our, in our know-it-all years, right, we have just 
railed against them, maybe sometimes directly cursing them. Right? We see that. Right? I think we feel the weight of it. Part of it, when we come to God's law, we feel the weight of how far short we fall. This is one where we can all immediately realize, yeah, I've dishonored my parents. I have, right? Many times when I was young. Calvin summarizes it well for us. The sum of this commandment will be that they are to look upon those whom the Lord has put over us, giving them honor, gratitude, and obedience. Hence, it follows that everything in the way of contempt, ingratitude, or disobedience is forbidden. That is what's forbidden on this side of the law. But there's further motivation here as to why we would obey this commandment and not violate it. Look back to Exodus 20 in our main passage in the back half of of that verse, right? Honor your mother and father that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. There's a promise attached to this. There's a purpose clause after the command, honor your father and mother so that your days might be long in the land the Lord is giving giving you. Of course, immediate context. We're dealing with Israel here. We're dealing with them going into the promised land eventually. And of course, God says, if you obey and honor your mother and father, it's going to go well for you in the promised land. And you will have many good years. In Deuteronomy 5, where the the second giving of the law comes into effect after the first generation had passed away in the wilderness... Deuteronomy 5 and 16 puts it this way, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. This is for their good. And it's for our good. Did you ever have one of those moments with the, the discipline years, right? When the child is pushing your buttons and keeps going and keeps going and you, you kind of have that moment like, if you don't knock this off, it's not going to go well for you, right? That moment like, hey, you're, you're pushing the boundaries here. It's not going to end well. So stop, just obey, right? This is what God tells us. This is, this is the point of this. If you do honor your mother and father, it's going to go well for you. It's not a formula, right? We don't manipulate the Almighty God with this formula, but it's a general principle. It's one of those big general principles, right? Generally, if you live your life and do what God tells you to do, generally, it's going to go a lot better for you than if you don't. But it doesn't mean that you'll be protected from every trial and tribulation, of course. It's not a formula for manipulating God, right? Parents, it's our job to be bringing up the children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. We just read Ephesians 6, and it's probably worth reading again. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is good. This is proper. And what do we see here? Wow, we see the fifth commandment in the New Testament. Still in effect, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it might go well with you and that you might live long in the land. And then we see the charge to the fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up or be bringing them up constantly in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Sometimes we wish that we could just convince our kids that, hey, really believe me, I am not out to ruin your life. I'm really not. I want you to grow. I want you to flourish. I want you to grow up and move out. Like, I I want these things for you. I'm not your enemy. I'm actually, if just, 
am I alone? I remember those times. We're just like, no, I'm actually trying to help you. I actually love you. I actually am out for your good, and I'm actually commanded by God to do this. So could you make it a little easier? Right? That's what we, that's what we feel in our bones sometimes, right? On a societal level, we know that biblical marriage is the cornerstone of society, and we see it being attacked ruthlessly today. Here's what happens. If you remove biblical marriage from society, it's not going to go well for society. If you remove the foundations of society, of biblical marriage, biblical parenting, all of that, the opposite here is certainly in view. It will go well for you if you do, but it won't go well for you if you don't. And we're seeing that all over our country today, are we not? Not only will it not go well for us if we don't honor our parents, it won't go well for society, for culture. Obeying this commandment, church, leads to human flourishing on a personal level, on a family level, on a societal level. We are commanded to show honor to our parents for very good reasons. And so then, let's talk about application. What does it mean to obey this in 2023 America? What does it mean to violate this in 2023 America? Let's get practical here. How do we honor our mother and father? First, it's going to depend on your situation. Maybe you're an adult and you are out of your, your parents' authority and you have been for decades, but your parents are still here. We're still called to honor our parents. And maybe two words for us to think about that, respect and care. First, we continue to respect our parents. Even if we're adults, we continue to respect them. They're still our parents. We honor them by respecting them. We speak kindly to them. We love them. We visit them. We call our moms, right? We include them. And I love that we've included families today in this celebration. We include them in things that are happening but we also care for them. This might seem basic, but it also might seem if you're in a situation where you are providing very practical care for an elderly parent, that's where the rubber really meets the road in this. We care for our parents. We love them. We respect them. We care for them. Many of us in Highlands have been, are in, or will be in a season of caring for elderly parents. If this is you, be encouraged. What you are doing is in obedience to this commandment and it pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. He will empower you to do it. And it pleases him. What if you're a kid living in your parents' house and thus under their authority? How do you honor mom and dad? Well, two ways. You obey them and you love them. First, kids, flat out obey your parents. Parents are like, yes, I love this sermon. (laughs) Flat out, kids, you have to obey your parents. Kids, if your parents are asking you to do something, you need to obey them. This assumes that they're not telling you to do something sinful or something unsafe, right? They're also not out to ruin your life. They're telling you to do something, whatever it is, you need to obey them. But second, kids, you need to love them. We honor them in action, but we also honor them in affection, right? Obey your parents, but also love your parents. Loving your parents means showing respect to your parents. Remember, the word honor means weightiness. So in other words, what your parents say should matter. It should have great significance. It should weigh a lot into your life life situation. And so kids, 
If you have parents, you're under their authority. You need to obey them and you need to love them. When they talk to you, you need to actually be acknowledging them, right? Not this. Acknowledge parents, right? Have, have deference to them. But let me talk. I mean, let me just say, of course, this is all hypothetical in here at Highlands Bible Church because I know that all children obey their parents here and there's no attitude problems or anything like that that ever crop up. So just use your imagination here. I know that this is not the case. There are some kids who want to crawl under the chairs right now and I understand that. Maybe, maybe you had one of those situations today. I was thinking about that. What if, what if this was the day you decided to pick a fight with mom and dad about taking out the trash, and then the bald guy starts talking about obey your parents? <laughs> Didn't go well for you today with that, right? Sorry, kids. Not sorry. Kids, you need to honor your parents by obeying them and loving them. But let me talk to the parents for a minute. Parents, not sure if you noticed this or not, but parenting is not for the faint of heart. It's hard. It's nonstop. It's a war of wills, and sometimes it feels like you are losing. And here's the challenge. Stay faithful. Stay legit. You want your kids to honor you? Honor them. Be honorable. You want your kids to love you? Love them. Encourage them. And stay honorable ourselves. Remember the passage in Ephesians 6 Remember what it said? It said, fathers, what was the challenge? Do not provoke your children to anger. You are not going to get your kids to obey and respect you if you are provoking them to anger. And then you're both sinning. Because the kids are not respecting you or honoring you, and you're, not, you're, you're breaking Ephesians 6.4. You don't want to add sin to a situation. Puritan Thomas Watson has much to say about this, and he says, let parents so act that they may gain honor from their children. We want to gain honor from our children. We want honor. We have to act in honorable ways. Watson continues, and I'm paraphrasing this. I don't think he'll mind. He died in like 1600. (laughs) What does he say? How do we do that? Bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Keep up your parental authority. Be kind, but don't spoil them. Provide for your children what is fitting Direct them to a lawful calling and occupation in life. Act lovingly towards them, but act carefully and prudently towards them. How can parents provoke their children to wrath? By giving them unmeetable expectations. By being harsh with them physically or verbally. By denying them what is absolutely needful. By showing preference to one child over another. By not praying for them by not encouraging them when you see evidences of God's grace in them. If all our kids hear from us is criticism, that's going to warp their thoughts. We need to be praising and encouraging our kids, but we also sin against them when we don't set a good example of what a Christian is ourselves. Maybe I can summarize the second point this way. Keeping the fifth commandment includes being honorable in order to be honored. It includes being honorable in order to be honored. It's the basis of the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12, right? Whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. Keeping the fifth commandment includes being honorable in order to be honored. We have to realize that this is completely countercultural in 2022 America. 2023 America. Apparently it's February. 
we have devolved into a culture of, unfortunately, dishonor. We see that all over the place. There is no such thing in the public square as honor. Gone is the respect for authority. Gone is the respect for the elderly or someone older than you. Manners and being polite is pretty much a lost art. Politics has degenerated into taking sides and viciously slandering someone who's not on your side. And all along, church, we have learned in our study of the moral law of God that if we truly seek to follow this and live it out, it is going to be extremely countercultural. It is also important, and we caveat this issue, I'm not saying that we have to honor mom and dad if they are honorable, right? There's no conditions that we put on this. I can't say, well, I would honor mom and dad if they would act honorable. No, we're still called to honor mom and dad, and parents we're still called to act honorably. We can't add sin to sin. As you might suspect, this is going to go way beyond just honoring our parents. This is a principle and a pattern that demonstrates how we feel about honor and respect in general for people of authority. If we honor our parents, we're more apt to honor God. If we don't honor our parents, are we going to be less apt to honor God? What's the common denominator? Honor. God wants us to develop honor for those in authority over us wherever that applies. You see, this command doesn't just speak to honoring our parents or being honorable as parents. It applies to showing honor and being honorable regarding any legit authority that has been placed over us. Parents are our authority when we are young. But there are other authorities, and God isn't just saying that we can honor mom and dad and not honor all of the other legit authorities that are over us. No, God is saying that we need to honor authority, period. If you are the authority, then you need to act honorably as well. But God calls us as Christians to be subject to the authorities that he has put in effect. And we see that all over the map in the New Testament especially. One passage maybe summarizes First Peter 2, starting in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, watch this, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of, the, of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now, of course, we don't have emperors anymore, but we, we do have people in authority over us. And if we honor those in authority over us, 1 Peter just told us that that will be a witness to the world around us. What we think about the authority that God has placed or how we treat them is a witness to those around us. Sometimes we, are, we rack our brains about evangelism and how we're going to do it and come up with all these things. Sometimes we just do what God tells us to do and our lives scream that we're different, that, the, that we answer to our God as the highest authority. This is a great way to witness in this dark world. Author Kevin DeYoung writes, Christians have always understood that the fifth commandment is not about just about parents and children, but about that relationship as a template for any relationship of authority we have in our lives. Again, we need to honor authority whether they're honorable or not. Calvin makes that clear for us. Wherefore, we ought to have no doubt that the Lord here lays down this universal rule. 
knowing how every individual is over us by his appointment, we should pay him reverence, gratitude, obedience, and every duty in our power. And it makes no difference whether those on whom the Lord is conferred are deserving or not. So what might that look like? And to break this down, maybe we can look at different areas or different spheres, if you will, of authority. And I'm indebted to famous Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper, who, who coined the phrase spheres of sovereignty, meaning different areas of authority that we need to submit to and how they relate to one another. For our purposes, I'm going to change it a little and call it spheres of authority, which is another way to look at this. So right from the jump, it's vital to realize that there is one and only one ultimate authority, and that is God himself. God is king of kings, lord of lords. There is no higher authority than him. All other authorities submit to God. God is perfect. He is sovereign. Anyone has authority only because God gave him that authority. And therefore, we honor those authorities whom God has given and placed in our lives. Romans 13 makes it clear. Again, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Watch this. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And so before we jump into spheres of authority, remember two things. One, no one has ultimate power. And two, any authority is established by God. Whether or not they're being faithful in that authority is a completely different question. But the authority is there from God. Let's look at these four spheres of authority and how we violate and obey the fifth commandment in each. We're going to look at the family, the church, our work, and government. And first, the family. We've been spending a lot of time on this, so it's pretty easy to summarize here. Who is the authority in the family? Biblically speaking, we read it in Ephesians 6, 4. It is the fathers. The fathers are the spiritual head of the families, and so families submit to fathers in this sphere of authority. Fathers are the authority and the spiritual heads of the home. And dads, this is given to you by God. You have been established as a spiritual head in your little family by God. You are a leader whether you actually lead or not. And you will be held accountable for how you lead your family on judgment day. Your family will naturally look to you as the leader. The question is, are you a good biblical leader or not? That's the question. So we obey the fifth commandment in the sphere of the family by submitting to the dads. Dads are not alone, of course. We have our wives to help us. But dads set the course for the family. Moms and dads work together, and the children honor the authority of the parents in the home. Wives submit to that God-established authority, and children submit. And as we've been seeing clearly from this commandment, showing honor in the process of doing so. We violate this commandment when we don't respect the authority that God has laid down within the family. When wives do not honor their husbands or submit to them. When children disobey or do not honor their parents. That's the way the family is supposed to work from God. And parents, if we aren't being honorable or faithfully parenting, we're not obeying this commandment either. The family is a self-governing unit, and we'll get to that in a little while. Next fear is the church. The church's authority is the elders. This is set up, again, by God and clearly told to us in Scripture. We don't have the time to go to those passages. 
Elders are called to teach God's word and shepherd God's people. And elders, if we're not doing that, we are violating this commandment. And church members, we need to submit to the elders, remembering that they also will give an account for their leadership. And again, the elders having the authority instituted by God are not going to ask a church member anything that God would not ask a church member. It all falls up under God. And so depending on what we are, how we're leading, we could be in violation of this commandment if we're, if we're lording our authority over the church or telling them to do something that is sinful. What it means to submit, we're only submitting to God's word. We submit as to the Lord. So we have the family, we have the church, we also have the government. What is the purpose of the government? No jokes, please. Romans 13 calls the government God's servant. That's the purpose of the government. The purpose of the government is to literally God's deacon, God's servant to do what? Public order and to make laws that hopefully reflect this. Yeah, I still don't know what to say about that. I've got all kinds of warning lights going off in my head right now. They're not doing a good job of that, are they? But they're still the authority. That doesn't change the fact that God has put them in authority. They are making laws and rules and things that completely contradict the word of God. And so I hope you're thinking it already, but we are not called to submit to any authority that causes us to sin against our God. That's the one thing when we can say, nope, we're not going to do that. Because why? Because here. Because I answer to God. Otherwise, we're going to submit with a smile on our face. This does also not mean that we can't speak into the process, right? We need Christians to be involved in politics. And if that's you, God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. We need Christians to speak into this process. We need to be part of the process. We need to be understanding what's going on in our local government and in our towns and our, all of that. And we need to be speaking into this process. It doesn't mean we just blindly obey. That's not what we're talking about here. But we need, as long as we are submitting to the government, as long as they're not asking us to violate God's law. And if we're not doing that, we're in sin. If we're not showing them honor that is due them, we're sinning. And I know this is hard to hear and really hard to do sometimes, especially when we have a government that is so dishonorable at times. But that's the command of the Lord that he gives us, and we have to separate that correctly. So we have the family, we have the church, we have the government, but we also have our work. We saw last week that Christians are called to work six days, and we have one day off today, Sunday, the Lord's Day, for worship and for rest. Christians should have an exemplary work ethic. We should be the best employees at our job. And we respect the God-given authority over us as our bosses. Christians should be the best bosses, the best employees on the team. But I'm sure that if we all raised our hands, we could all tell wonderful horror stories about the terrible bosses that we've all had. I've had some pretty terrible bosses too. I can remember those times. But when we gossip about them, when we trash talk them, when we disobey them, when we reject them, we're sinning. We're violating this commandment. Again, we're not to follow anything that tells us to violate God's law. But we need to submit to those authorities that are over us. And I know that it's difficult. But the word tells us that we are to obey our bosses and work for the glory of God, not men. 
And so what do these spheres of authority have to do with one another? Sometimes they have lots to do with each other. Our government makes laws that affects businesses, so our work has an interplay with the government. The government makes laws, and the businesses theoretically have to obey them, right? But it's really important to point out, guys, that there are two spheres in here, the church and the family, that the government does not have authority over. The government does not have authority over the family that was instituted and designed by God. It does not have authority over the church. Those spheres were created long before the government was created, and they were created by God. Again, that doesn't mean that we just go rogue and do whatever we want. We still submit to the government as long as it's not causing us to violate God's law. Case in point, when COVID rolled around and we had uh, the government shut down, and we dealt with that for a few weeks, and then we said, this can't happen because God calls us to come together and worship. And so, yes, this is one of those times where we're not going to obey the government because we're called to worship in Hebrews chapter 10 in honor of the Lord's Day. And so that was one occasion that we would do that. We must remember that there are limitations and there are boundaries for these spheres, and we see our government overreaching in many of these places, reaching into the family to saying how it should be, or reaching into the church to say it how it should be. We've got to know our Bibles. We've got to respect and honor the government as long as they're not asking us to do anything that is against God's law. As much as we are able, we'll call to honor not only our parents, but every other authority that is placed over us. This includes, but isn't limited to, the family, the church, the government, and our jobs. So church, this is what we're called to in the fifth commandment. And once again, we come to the fact that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The summary of the first part of the Ten Commandments was loving God. And again, the second table, the summary is loving others and ultimately honoring others comes to the way that we love others, even those in authority over us, our parents, our elders, our police, our political leaders, our bosses. God calls us to love even our bosses, even those over us, even our enemies. He calls us to love. And this commandment shows us what that looks like. Remember how we started. I asked, what does it really mean to love others? And systematically through the second part of the Ten Commandments, we're seeing how We're going to love others. And so today in the fifth commandment, we see this, that loving others means honoring those in authority over us. Loving others means honoring those in authority over us. In the immediate context, we're called to show honor to our parents. And that will look differently depending on your situation. Again, maybe this is extremely difficult for you to do because you have a strained relationship with your parents. If they're still around, let me encourage you. What God commands us to do, he empowers us to do. Just this week, I was talking with a friend of mine, and his dad was estranged from the rest of uh, the kids, and this young man was the only one who was able to have a relationship with his father. And through years and years and years, he begged his siblings to reconcile with their dad. And years and years, they said no. And then the dad got sick. And that was what it took. And so just this week, my friend's sister wrote this huge letter to her dad talking about how much she's sorry for their relationship and asking for forgiveness and asking for reconciliation. And if that's you, I would encourage you, don't wait until something has to happen like that to reconcile. We're called to honor our parents. We're called to love our parents. 
And again, it's not only limited to parental authority, but it's a pattern for submission to any and all legitimate authority over us. Ask yourself, what is my perspective? What is my attitude towards authority in general? Am I one of those guys that just rails against any and all forms of authority? Sometimes we do have to disobey if it causes us to violate God's law, but we do that very sparingly and seldomly and very respectfully. But most of the time, are you just railing against authority? Do you fight against authority, constantly finding issue with your boss or something in the government or some policy or something somewhere? And again, caveat, this doesn't mean mindless obedience. We need to speak into things. We need to inject biblical wisdom and morality into government, into laws, into our work, into our policies. This commandment does not mean blindless obedience or or blind obedience, sorry. It doesn't mean blind obedience. But it does mean that we should show honor to whom honor is due. And as Calvin reminded us, whether they deserve it or not, that will be a great testimony to our walk with our Lord Jesus. Why? Again, look at the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the grace. We get down to this again every time. Why? Who were we? We were rebels. We were God's enemy. We rejected him. We literally turned our backs on him and said, I know you're king of kings and lord of lords, but guess what, God? I'm the authority of my life. You will not have authority over my life. I will have authority over my life. And what did he do? Did he leave us like that? No. At great personal cost to himself, he gave us Jesus Christ so that we, through faith in him, could be reconciled for our sin of rejecting his authority in our lives. Church, no one in this room, no one on this earth deserves that. It is the pattern for how God reached out in grace to us while we were his enemies, rejecting his authority, the righteous for the unrighteous. Watch this, the honorable for the dishonorable. The moral law of God shows us our utter dependence on the grace of Jesus Christ. Honoring those in authority is hard. Loving others is hard. But this is what we're called to by God, the ultimate honorable, who loved us first when we were dishonorable. He will give us the power we need to love others in this way. He will give us the wisdom and the discretion to see when and if we would ever need to disobey an authority over us if they're calling us to be in opposition to God's word. He will give us the endurance to parent with grace and centered on the cross of Jesus Christ. And he will do all of that for his glory. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love. We thank you that you, although we rejected your authority over us and sinned, that you showed the pattern, Lord, right from the start of coming after the rebel, of coming after the one with grace, with forgiveness, with mercy. May we treat those in authority over us like you have treated us in Jesus Christ. May we treat them with honor, with grace. May we be bold enough to speak into whatever processes there may be. And Lord, I want to pray especially for our parents. I want to pray not only for those that were up here dedicating their families to raising their children in the instruction of the Lord, but for all of us as we seek to continue that. Whatever phase we're in, Lord, if that is little kids and we're in survival mode, give us the patience and the grace. Give us that tenacity, Lord, to continue. I pray for the kids, for them to obey, for them to respect, for them to love. 
Lord, if our parents are older, we pray that we would respect them and care for them and show the love of Jesus. If we're grandparents, Lord, help us to love and honor our grandchildren, Lord, and teach them, partnering with the parents, to show them what it means to walk with the Lord Jesus. And Father, for those special situations where there's a lot of pain when we think about our parents. There might be abuse. There might be neglect. We might not even have our parents, and that might bring us sorrow, Lord, as we think about that. We know that you are with us. We know that whatever the situation, you have called us to do what you've commanded, but you've equipped us to do what you've commanded. Help us to trust you enough to love others well by honoring them. We pray it through Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.